0: You're, you're, you're putting this facade up in front of consumer price inflation and saying, Hey, look, it isn't as bad as it actually is. If you eat beyond sausage, if you start, you know, substituting more lettuce and more kale and more nutrient deprived foods in place of your milk, your dairy, your fruit, your steak, right? So it's essentially, you know, broad, broad strokes. Why Fiat food is proliferating. It's to suppress uh, the reported
1: inflation number. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Lewis and Kyle show. Today, we have a special panel interview with two people, Dr. Seed Oil Disrespector, an anonymous frog meme account from Twitter, and his partner in crime, Joseph Consorti. The two of them spread all sorts of information all over Twitter about the dangers and perils of industrial seed oils, commonly referred to as vegetable oil, some examples, canola oil, corn oil cotton seed oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil. There's a lot of them, soybean oil. That's also notorious when you got to watch out for. We get into the how and why these things came into the human diet and why it is such a tragic mistake to keep eating them in 2022. If you are an informed person who cares about your lifespan and your health span and your quality of day-to-day life and those around you, stewed oils are pretty terrible. And I say that all the time, but this time we brought on an actual doctor and an actual doctor of memes. Dr. Disrespecter and Joseph Consorti to tell us what the hell's going on. Like, is this a joke? Is this just funny? Or are these things actually bad? Is it just bro science or is there actual medical science? Why are they bad? How do they come into our diet? What do we do about it? How do you eliminate them from your diet? What do you replace them with a whole lot more? Why is the Bitcoin community all all about this whole seed oil disrespect thing? It's really confusing. And people following this on Twitter don't know what's going on. They don't know why everyone hates canola oil so much. And I took it upon myself to bring two of the premier disrespectors, disrespectors meaning people who disrespect canola oil, disrespect the seed oil on the Lewis and Kyle show to dispel some wisdom, dispel some common myths, explain some truths, and much more. That was a bit rambly, but that's kind of the theme of this episode. It's fun, but it's also important. So I'm going to switch to it now. Enjoy this conversation with Mr. Joseph Consorti and Dr. Seed Oil Disrespector, the anonymous Twitter frog. Enjoy. Joe, Brian, welcome to the Lewis and Kyle show. We're going to teach the word about seed oils today. And uh, for that, everyone should thank us. I'm excited.
2: Thank you for having us. Uh,
1: Dr. Brian, I want to ask you first about kind of the day that this persona, account, whatever you want to call it, seed oil disrespector was born. Where were you? When did you create the name, incorporate the, the entity, birth it into the universe, this, uh, this frog that talks about canola oil?
2: <laughs> so um, I was just sitting on the couch um, at night, you know, after work one day, like most people sitting there on Twitter. And um, it was a, it was a culmination of different things to just, you know, come up with seed oil disrespector as a Twitter account. Um, uh, to, to reach far back, you know, I got into ancestral health and paleo world like 15 years ago. It's part of the reason why I got into medicine, but Medical school in your 30s and residency was so busy that I wasn't keeping up to date with all that stuff. And what was interesting was in the last maybe about year and a half or so before then, um, I noticed more people on Twitter were using the phrase seed oil. And you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, I would have said industrial seed oil. And for those folks who might not be familiar, we're talking about like soybean oil and corn oil and safflower oil and sunflower oil and canola and these things. And I found it interesting that that people who weren't necessarily food accounts were were bringing this up and I was like oh that that's cool and you know it it, it um made its way more into mainstream or at least lifestyle type um, circles and um, and so for myself last summer i I plugged back into that nutrition world and um, I quickly realized with my, you know, my medical knowledge, my ability to, you know, synthesize and and understand things at a much um, higher level than I was uh, years ago, um, realized that that is the main thing that you need to avoid if your goal is better eating and better health. Um, And as a flip side, you could say it's one of the major drivers of chronic metabolic disease. And so I, so that aha moment for me was like, okay, this is a target. This is something that people are already talking about. This is something that, you know, if I was to, I mean, overnight what I would tell my patients changed, right? I, I used to tell them cause I wanted something actionable. I told them about like a whole 30 program. They could Google it. They can go home. They can do that. I, I probably wrote whole 30 on a piece of paper on a pad, you know, hundreds of times, but then after, I plugged back into the world and and learned a bit more than I did years ago. I couldn't do that anymore because the first step is, you know, reducing the amount of seed oil in your diet step by step to as much elimination as possible. And so for the meme account, I was making seed oil memes on my main, my former main (laughs) and post them. And I felt like I was spamming my, you know, friends, right? My internet friends, my mutuals. And um, so you know, I saw the people. I saw the trend of doing the ER. You know, I'm a hiking enjoyer and a you know I'm um, a fiat disrespector. Or, you know, whatever else people were saying, um, and I joined the two seed oil disrespector. It sounded clever. I remember I remember uh, cheering or you know on the inside when I realized it's exactly 15 characters. DSRSPCTR. It just looks nice. And um, I had a thousand followers in a day. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess I guess I struck something there. And I did not know at the time that it was a popular topic in the Bitcoin community. I've been Bitcoin aware for a long time, you know, um, or uh, crypto aware. I mean, I remember when there was a, a Doge sponsored what, a NASCAR or something, and you know, I was so I was aware of these things years ago. And I have friends that were in and out of that stuff. I've been spending all of my money on. Uh, you know, first pre-med classes in my twenties and then just trying to live. So I'm not an investment guy at all um, until, until recently. So, um, you know, I made the meme account and I've learned a lot since then. And part of it is, you know, um, Joe joining the team with making memes and stuff. And, uh, you know, I'd like him for him to share his story, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I like to hear of the similarities in terms of uh, you know the the how fiat props up fake food and the instability, right? And I think that's why that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I'm on a podcast like this is to talk about the big the big picture on things. And it's great. I mean, thank you so much for having me and you know it's been a long road to get here and it's really interesting and we've been having fun and and, and hopefully introducing new circles of people new communities to this idea of ancestral health of of um you know the the the
1: metabolic theory of a
2: lot of things and it's it's good stuff it's really good stuff to to be able to share
1: this message joe what is what does dr brian mean by fiat uh the fiat currency like people in crypto kind of just understand what it means because they understand what it means in crypto and then kind of apply that similar definition to like fiat foods, fiat oils. Like what does he mean by that? And also how how did you come into the picture?
0: Oh, if you can, if you can hear me, okay, I think you can. So fiat essentially means uh, the definition is by order or by edict. And so when you have a state, uh, it essentially means state mandated and then whatever word uh, subsedes it, that is what um, is, is essentially fiat. It's by mandate. And so a fiat currency is a currency that uh, is mandated for use for the citizens in any particular state. Um, and in our case, that's the United States of America. Um, the United States dollar is the world reserve currency. Um, it is fiat currency. It's mandated um, that that people use this and sort of that, you know, the, the word fiat gets thrown around uh, sort of as a catch-all and uh, it's good. It, it has that colloquial meaning and, with uh, with fiat food, it essentially means uh, you know very very cheap and heavily subsidized products like corn, corn is and everything. If you look into you know if you go to your neighbor's house and look in their cabinet, chances are uh, they've got Doritos. What are Doritos made out of? Well, ingredient number one, corn. Ingredient number two, corn oil. Uh, ingredient number three, cheese byproduct that was created using corn. Right. So uh, the the reason essentially fiat food has proliferated so much. Um, I'll talk about that briefly and then I'll, um, because I'm sure we'll talk more about it. And then I'll talk sort of about why I care at all about this, how I got into this. Um, The the reason fiat food proliferates and the reason you have uh, essentially intelligentsia um, opining about how this is suddenly healthy and the science changes, science changes constantly to say, well, now bugs are healthy. Well, now, you know, eating dirt is healthy. It's probably going to be the next thing Um, is because in order to make it so that CPI consumer price index inflation, um, isn't crazy skyrocketing as it would if you actually included things that people liked to eat and were healthy for you. Like if the CPI basket included, you know, steak and milk CPI right now wouldn't be 8.6%. It'd be 15%. It'd be 20%. The reason that these cheap fiat foods proliferate and why intelligentsia backs them with all of their power and all of their might is because it it suppresses the CPI number. If you're sort of substituting in and out these goods that are cheaper than other goods, you're basically you're 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 putting this facade up in front of consumer price inflation and saying, "Hey, look, it isn't as bad as it actually is." If you eat Beyond sausage, if you start you know substituting more lettuce and more kale and more nutrient deprived foods in place of your milk, your dairy, your fruit, your steak, right? So that's essentially you know broad, broad strokes, why Fiat food is proliferating. It's to suppress uh, the reported inflation number. Now, the the reason I sort of care about this so much is because uh, a couple of different things. So um, I've been doing amateur bodybuilding for a while. I want to do another show next year. I haven't done a show since uh, senior year in high school, but uh, I started because I used to play soccer and I was very, very big and not very fast. And so, uh, I had, I had very, very good muscle bellies, uh, according to, um, uh, my coach who was also a bodybuilder. And I really, I wasn't very good. I, I sat on the bench. The majority of the time I, I played varsity, we won a couple of state championships, but that said, I, I didn't have much to do with it. And so I figured I'd seek out uh, individual sport where I could get by on my own merit and bodybuilding was that sport. And so starting just before freshman year, um, late eighth grade, uh, maybe even seventh grade, I started going lifting on my own and I sort of taught myself to do that. And then I did a show years later, senior year. And all throughout that time, um, there was a tremendous amount of discipline involved in, uh, adding on muscle and then also cutting out fat and sort of those bulking and cutting phases and and really growing discipline and building out your own best practices for doing that. And my, I, I, like, one of the things I always struggled with was cutting fat. Um, my friends through uh, middle school through high school hometown friends were all sort of relatively skinny they had visible abs but me the person who went to the gym seven days a week and ate like a madman didn't have abs i didn't have abs i couldn't cut the fat around my waist no matter how many and and you know i i i loved eating good tasting foods and chicken and rice simply wasn't a good tasting food, no matter how much sriracha I put on it. And so that was always the hardest part for me. I could never put on a tremendous amount of muscle and then retain it as I cut because when I cut, I just ended up not eating a lot of food. Instead of eating small amounts of healthy, good tasting foods, I I really couldn't bear eating chicken and rice. And so the way that I would cut was essentially an extreme caloric deficit where I would lose a lot of muscle and that just wasn't sustainable. And so Um, fast forward a few years, I'm doing that, I'm doing that. I sort of let go of it a little bit, uh, junior year college. So this last year, I, uh, I, I stumbled back onto Twitter and I sort of found uh, a lot of these different things, uh, you know, this concept of, of incorporating a lot of red meat into your diet. And I started doing that. I started incorporating red meat into my diet before even the seed oil thing. And I found that, uh, it was you know, it was much better from a sustenance standpoint because it tasted good. I was getting fats, I was getting protein. Uh, And because I started shifting towards that as opposed to tasteless, nutrientless chicken and rice, um, I found that, you know, my body was not being uh, sustained the way it should have been. I was essentially craving all these necessary things that I I really wasn't getting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so naturally stumbling down that hole, I started eating steak and ground beef and eggs basically every single day. Mm and sort of through that grapevine, uh, seed oil disrespect came into the picture. I found the account, uh, that Dr. Curley made ages ago when, you know, closer to when it was first being done. And so, you know, I, again, I had this problem of losing this fat around my waist and I would basically blame my genetics. And so I also incorporated the basically, you know, abject seed oil, disrespect, seed oil abstinence into my diet. And, Lo and behold, granted I'm not where I'd, I'd like to be, but dropping fat around my waist was incredibly easy. Um, you know, obviously that was my primary goal, but on top of that, I, I didn't sunburn, so that's not necessarily what I was seeking to do. What I, what I wanted to do was figure out a way to cut during these bulking and cutting cycles without absolutely despising it because of what I was eating. And so steak was naturally the first step, actually eating foods that satiate you. So you can go throughout your entire day without needing to be snacking on things. And then naturally seed oils were, you know, sort of a logical extension of that. So so that's how I arrived at it. And, you know, I, I found that to be the most, I guess, sustainable best practices for, for the way I eat. Yeah, so
3: so go ahead, Kyle. Uh, Dr. Lee what are seed oils and why are they bad for you?
2: So seed oils, um, most people know them as vegetable oils. Um, uh, you know, I, I can't name every single one of them in, at the drop of a hat, but corn and canola and safflower and sunflower um, uh, and uh, the, the good fats, right? Sometimes it, it's, it's better to identify what, what the good ones are because there's not very many. I would say beef tallow and butter and ghee which is clarified butter and then on the plant side we have coconut olive and um avocado right all the other fats that you see primarily are are seed oils with some some gray area like palm oil for instance is is not the the worst fatty acid profile um and uh, and there's other gray area like peanut oil. Like I wouldn't you know, I wouldn't um, dissuade you from eating some peanut butter sometimes, but I don't think you should go to eat the French fries at Five Guys because that uh, refined peanut oil is, is is blasted over time. And it's it's not something I would recommend. But the this being there's there's a there's a health side and then there's a environmental soil health side. And I think both both are very important on the on the. Human health side. What we're talking about here is a low polyunsaturated fat diet. Uh, we're talking about the fact that seed oils are high in polyunsaturated fat, omega six. So most people have heard of omega three because they've done such a good job of um, marketing this. You know, uh, omega three. It's uh, you get it from fish. You get it from fish oil. It's it's good for your heart. It's good for your brain. You hear these things, right? And you also hear that that it's it's low, as in like we we don't get it in our diet because of uh, um, the nature of the industrialized diet, right? So you could even bring this up to your dad, or mom, or relative, or anyone, call them up and talk about omega-3 and they'd know what you're talking about pretty quickly. You could tell them that there's another polyunsaturated fat called omega-6. And before seed oils, we would would only get a small amount of omega-3 and a small amount of omega-6 in our diets. A lot of people have heard about this idea of the ratio, the ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 or vice versa. And a lot of the discourse on seed oils and vegetable oils, um, even in the health world, has talked about this ratio for a long time. But what's important about the ratio is we're not talking about fixing a ratio. It's not important to get the ratio right by taking more omega-3. But there's the main problem is that there's way too much omega-6. There is a polyunsaturated fat overload from seed oils. And... It started on an industrial scale in the late 1800s um, when they realized they could take cotton seeds, cottonseed oil, which was an industrial lubricant, and they realized that they could um, uh, hydrogenate it and make it look like lard. And um, they started to adulterate the lard. We know this from records of lard sent to Canada. Um, they started to adulterate the lard, so it was fake, um, and then they first sold it commercially uh, i think it was 1911 they patented crisco in 1910. we worked that into some of our memes for education and um with the good work from joe here um and so the the propaganda started then with this being a a a, a better alternative to, to lard right the the anti, um, Anti-animal product type propaganda, and that just that just increased and increased over the decades. And you could pick a chronic disease, type two diabetes or heart disease or a lot of things, and go through time and see um, how these are these are diseases of industrialized nations, right? And one of the hallmarks of an industrialized nation is. Um, is seed oils is the industrialized diet, right? And if you were to characterize it by a few ingredients, it would be refined grains, sugar, and seed oils. Um, and uh, you know, I, I don't have a PowerPoint ready with me right now, but there is research out there, there are layers and layers of different mechanisms and fascinating um, uh, details on why an excess of polyunsaturated fat is not good for you. I can I can pick one example. You know, if you were to also call one of your parents or relatives and ask them about bad cholesterol, LDL. LDL cholesterol. My doctor said my, my bad cholesterol is XYZ, right? Well, we know after decades of research that, that we, we can't really pinpoint what the best number is for cholesterol because it's a qualitative issue, not necessarily a quantitative issue. Um, And we know that LDL that's dangerous, this is the bubbles of fat that go around your bloodstream, the low-density lipoproteins, LDL. It's dangerous when it's oxidized. And polyunsaturated fat, more double bonds, unsaturated places you can add things to the fat, more ability to be oxidized. And by definition, this LDL that's dangerous is from polyunsaturated fat. And that's one example. I'm just talking about plaques and arteries and heart disease, but it goes deeper. Um, You know, we know um, that that this type of oxidation can happen in the body. I mean, of course, we all agree here. You can pick anyone off the street, ask them about French fries, fried food, and they'll go, yeah, definitely unhealthy. Why? What happens in that fryer? Um, you know, does the carb change? Well, to be very particular, what changes, the major thing that happens is polyunsaturated fat changes. It oxidizes. So, yes, if you eat it straight out of a fryer, it's the worst you can possibly do to it. But we know that it happens in the body, too. And that's just one example, but there's there's a lot out there and it's it, it gets really deep. That's my long that's my long intro to that. Um, but I like to let people know that this is there's a histori- there's a historical narrative to this um, there and there are many different mechanisms. Um, so I would say you know oxidative stress, excess omega six, um, and you know but, but very briefly just as a short aside, um, seed oils are drain nutrients from the soil. Uh, it is a very unnatural, um, farming practice that is covers a billion acres worldwide. Um, and I'm sure there's consequences to that, that I can't even fathom at this moment. You know, I'm, I'm just a, you know, I'm a a physician that wants people to eat healthier. So I have to tell you the most simple thing possible to get you to change things. And I'm excited that I have this seed oil disrespect, this anti cetal diet thing that I can communicate now. And I'm looking forward to in the future, being able to provide more resources to folks and I'm, I'm excited about that.
1: Yep. One of my favorite books is the one thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. And they talk about the, the 80, 20 rule that kind of everyone's super familiar with that, you know, certain things like 20% of the causes leads to 80% of the effects. Uh, but what they talk about is like there's usually a super Pareto principle that there's an 80 20 within the 80 20. And this is what you made me think about with the answer to our first question and this recent answer is that the whole 30 is sort of like an 80 20 diet. It's like cut out processed foods, only eat whole foods. And that would be super effective for people. But it's like, what if you could find the 80 20 within the 80 20? And that's what the seed oil disrespect movement is. It's like arguably, arguable, right? Like the most impactful thing of the most impactful things. Uh, for easy simple fix with huge outsized results i think that you know the science makes a lot of sense a lot of people lose you because of the chemistry because of just things that are out of their depth what have either of you found to be effective ways to really like get through to people and convince people that like this is as serious as you say it is the diseases are as directly caused by this the health benefits are as pronounced to make it worth the trouble like how do you get through to people with this messaging uh both in the past and maybe some future plans, like even ramp it up.
2: Well, since, since I just went long, Joe, can you share how you've communicated this to people and what, what has hooked them?
1: For sure. Yeah. So uh,
0: the imagery, the imagery is uh, ultimately, I I think what hooks people to the, to the largest extent is the most effective thing because we're all wicked, you know, we're all wicked emotional thinkers. And so if you can show somebody uh, that uh, now infamous video of, the canola oil toxic sludge seeping out of the, uh, massive vat. Um, even it, it doesn't go into tremendous detail, right? You don't need to know, uh, explicitly what the, the, you know, the, the end causes of that substance going into your body are. You just look at that and go, yeah, that's gross. Right. Uh, and then further down the line, um, I, would still stick with imagery. You can show people b- before and after, uh, you know, images, um, a, a while back you hosted a space, uh, Brian with Tishrae uh, where she, you know, had that tremendous before and after of you know uh, be eating seed oils essentially every day, and the one simple change of not eating seed oils, and and just that change alone, and then essentially that that leads people down the rabbit hole. Um, I I think that's you know probably the most effective method of of just introducing people to to how harmful these substances are without having to get uh, you know into the uh, extreme chemistry of it. Um, you know, even I find myself sometimes lost, uh, you know, in, in a lot of it. And so sort of stripping out the jargon and, and leaving it with, uh, the, the imagery to make it the most understandable. That's, that's what I found to be the most effective. And also targeting gym bros, I got, <laughs> in the sauna, I think I've seed oil pilled like five or six dudes. Cause they're always looking for that. Lewis, you talked about that, that alpha, that, that extremely small alpha. They're always looking for that edge, that extremely yeah. small alpha. And so they, they tend
1: to go for it uh, a lot as well. Yeah. On the note of imagery, uh, I bought this book. One to read it, and two just to like leave it out on my coffee table. This is the the Weston A. Price Nutrition or Modern Nutrition and its physical gener- de- Degeneration, primitive and modern diets and their effects. And this book, what had made me buy it was just like people flipping through the pages on Twitter and showing like this is not just about seed oils. This is like the whole industrialized diet as a whole. Uh, you know, people literally losing their teeth. It's like primitive people with perfect teeth, modern industrialized people that are the people from that same tribe who like happened to switch to flour and jelly and their teeth all falling out and them like suffering terribly. And it's like, this is something I keep on the coffee table to like, hopefully open people's eyes, just like the, the broader movement of like think industrial dyes in general. Uh, but it's Dr. this whole idea of yeah. like your eyes do not deceive you. We've
0: been told for the mm-hmm. longest time. I've been told for the longest time that like, Oh, your, your, your eyes deceive you. No, that person's actually healthy. Right. Uh, I, I, countless people who would always, 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 I used to bring lunch to school. I used to drink milk every single day, multiple glasses a day, one at lunch, one at dinner. My teeth have been sensational. Uh, I've always eaten a relatively holistic diet, not a whole lot of junk food. My teeth are great. My teeth are the whitest out of, you know, anybody that I physically in person know. Um, and that's not me saying that that's other people telling me that as well. Um, and you know, numerous friends who would eat the school lunch, soda, candy, Yellow teeth at yeah. 9, 10, and 11. It's like, you know, taking a look at those images, your eyes do not deceive you. And I think, you know, we're, we're slowly shifting back to that idea of maybe what I see isn't uh, entirely live, Maybe what I see is the truth. Maybe this is something worth looking into. Yeah, I don't want to derail us too yeah,
2: much I here. I used to eat Snickers for lunch in high school. So I was, uh, you know, <laughs> I was I was reborn in my early 20s in terms of my perspective on a lot of things. So, but I'm, I'm glad for it
1: yeah the uh the kind of characterization i've thought about that i think dr jordan peterson's been helpful for me to like have the vocabulary to describe is just like living in a pathological society where it's just like i was talking to my dad earlier today i was like oh alex berenson is finally back on twitter uh and he's this guy and my dad's like "What do you get kicked off for and i'm like he said something true too early like that's why i got kicked off he said something true about covid before you're like it was allowed to be true and people were allowed to know about it like that's like point blank what happened and i just think like Fortunately, we're not being censored for uh, the oil debate, but that's a lot of what it is. It's just like being overweight contributes to negative health outcomes. It's true. People don't want to admit it. And that's also what Jordan Peterson got in trouble for, for like the Sports Illustrated edition, but kind of derailing us. But that vocabulary for me has been really helpful for like, You know, we did a podcast with Brandon Green, who's the kind of like chief of staff at Bitcoin Magazine and the Bitcoin Conference. And the way he talks about Bitcoin is piercing the veil, right? It's like, and that's kind of a lot of the overlap that I'll let Joe get into later between CEO disrespect and Bitcoiners. It's just like it is a group of people who are addicted to like they've had the veil pierced once. It's like the pathologies of society. Here's one major one that was revealed to you. Like, here's the world doing something dishonest and trying to trick you into a way that's hurting you. You understand the game that's being played. And now you're trying to find everywhere else that same game is being played. All the other lies that are being told to you. And like, that's a lot of the similarity, but uh, Brian, what have you found to be effective? I just wanted to share the pathological thing. Cause I think it helps people p- pierce the veil to have like the words, describe the phenomenon of like, here's the pathology at, in mass that like, it just isn't true, but what else have you found to be effective? And you can comment on that as well. I don't, I don't mind, but uh, for the hearts and minds, getting people to throw the canola oil on their bike chain and say goodbye forever.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I, the obvious answer is memes, you know, because the count I have. But um, you know, to dig a little deeper, I, you know, I have about two years of experience in residency because I'm I finished residency. I'm now a board certified family medicine physician, and I'll be working as a hospitalist soon. So I'll be doing the Let's hospital medicine side. Adult medicine. Yeah, I'm excited. But uh, you know, that's a lot of doctor's appointments that I've had where I'm the doctor for folks. And for the first two years, when I would talk about, um, food with people, it would be a, it would be a whole 30 talk. And the reason why is because I knew even if they forgot everything I said, they could go home and type in whole three zero on Google and, and go from there. Right. Cause I, I know enough to know that people will forget what you say, (laughs) right. You got to give them something easy. And, um, the difference in the emotional reaction, and I mean that, like, psychological reaction with people, when I seed pill them is night and day. I don't remember a level of enthusiasm when I would tell people about Whole30. And, of course, when I would have that elevator speech, I would talk about how, like, you know, there's inflammatory foods and non-inflammatory foods in terms of what we see and results with people and, um, uh and um and most people have heard about this oh I'll try gluten-free or I'll try without dairy and I'll try without a lot of things right um because we do see this we do see people trying paleo diets and these things helping and a lot of people have heard this stuff um hell by the time I started med school in 2014 paleo was already a punchline. I remember I was 31 and one of my classmates was 22 and he made a joke like oh just tell him to do a paleo diet it'll fix everything and I was like oh that (laughs) that's already humor you know Something I first learned about in like two thousand seven, you know, just four or five, six, seven years later is is the punchline, right? Okay, that's cool. Um so a lot of people already knew these things. People, you know, your average random person living out in the rural, you know, part of the state where I'm in right now in Kentucky knows what the word keto is, right? But when I would start to talk to them about seed oils, right, I'm gonna talk to you about the fats you use. Well, I use butter and olive oil. I'm like, okay, good, good, right? So people are already almost there. But when I would talk to them about how five tablespoons of corn is almost a hundred ears of corn or five tablespoons of sunflower oil is almost 3000 sunflower seeds. When I start to talk to him about the scale at what is happening, it was like, damn, you know, the kind of comments I would get. And, you know, I could, I could open this conversation with, well, you know that all of our food is toxic, right? And they would, you know, almost like in a comedic sense, but people would go, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure about that. Right. And when you, but when you would help them understand the scale, just the quantities involved, you know, there, there was, there was definitely a different emotional reaction and, and I would have visuals ready on my laptop. I would kind of, you know, show my laptop with the, you might even see me post this before. Um, you know, n- no one, no one sits down and eats a hundred ears of corn. So it was this idea of something impossible, until industrial scale made it possible, is easier to grasp. But there might be something unhealthy about that. Okay, there's a lot of fascinating research out there. Most people don't make their decisions based off of that. Hopefully, research influences governments. And you know, the fact that if you live on a military base and everything you eat is Cisco, and you probably have to eat canola oil cooked in your whatever, you know, those are consequences, right? You know, if the city of New York. New York is going to have meatless Mondays. I'm sure that's influenced by something, right? But you can do whatever you want, you know, and and so that that ancestral health perspective of there's something not natural about what we're doing and those visuals of numbers has have really gone a long way. Um, and, and it makes a lot of sense to people, especially when you can you can take it a level deeper and say, why is a hundred years of corn not good? Because the amount of omega-6 that you're getting from that is evolutionarily novel. And here we can relate it to all these different things. And that's pretty fascinating. And then, of course, why do most people do things they do? Because results speak for themselves. Um, and, you know, hopefully now, as opposed to when I made the account, and I'm not the only person talking about seed oils. You can just pop open YouTube or Google and find lots of people talking about this, right? Um, But I think I've introduced it to a lot of new people, which is good. But, you know, people are quitting them and noticing that they don't sunburn as much, which is fascinating. I remember hearing about that with paleo years ago. And now I realize that, like sunburn, a lot of things attributed to a paleo diet are because people quit seed oils, are because people have a low polyunsaturated fat diet. And that's huge because, you know, trying to get your dad to do paleo is impossible. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> for most people, right? But telling him, you, you could switch all, you know, if whoever cooks in the house, if you could get them to not go out to dinner or whatever, if you could switch all the oils, they wouldn't notice. That is amazing news, that you can switch the oils, food tastes better, and you wouldn't notice it. You might even think everything tastes better. And that's the difference between chronic diseases, right? Do I think people are developing type 2 diabetes because they eat ice cream once or twice a week? No. I don't. Do I think they're getting it from bread? No. You know, there are autoimmune conditions or, you know, this is a, com- these are, when you talk about food and health, they're complex things. But the scale we see now, there was a recent study that said that only 7% of U.S. adults have have healthy cardiometabolic blood work or something along those lines. It's depressing, Right. But it makes sense when you look at the, the evolutionary m- mismatch, right? And people get that, you know, when 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 they come to understand what that is. Um, if if the majority of the U.S. population or the industrialized
1: world saw that, it would change demand. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one issue with that is like people don't have healthy role models. It's so a lot of like a common objection I hear to like pseudo-pill people is like you're saying that this is killing me. Well, I'm not dead. It's like, and they're like, not, you know, unhealthy, but it's like, I don't think, you know, like what health is supposed to look like. Cause like everyone, you know, has the same affliction and like, you don't exercise. You don't like see these people who are like a true primally healthy. Like, you know, you think of like, um, Joe had brought him up, uh, Paul Saladino, who just like every video he's in, he's got this like glowing complexion and this perfect physique and looks like he's ready to like do 10 backflips in a row, but like people don't have that role model of someone like they, they don't consider themselves unhealthy, even though by like every marker cardiometabolically, that's like an outlier compared to any human of the past thousand years. I don't know like how you get past that objection. I mean, I think the images and more of these things, but maybe I just have an especially stubborn peer group.
2: Well, I, I think the difficulty with the look, right, is that we have this perception in society that if you look really good, it's some mix of genetics and, and exercise, right? Um, people will see a fit person go, well, they're probably just crushing it in the gym, right? Which is partially true, but it's it's missing the, the, the food component, right? Um, so people, what my point here is that people can dismiss things. They can go, eh, well... You're probably exercising enough to look at that. And I, I think that that's, you know, people admit, you know, the abs are made in the kitchen, that kind of thing, but it, it persists, right? The, the way that people can look down on and talk negatively of obese people, um, you know, when they are, when they're starving, right? Um, when they're constantly have the munchies, you know, um, excess omega-6 actually activates endocannabinoid system. So you're actually hungrier, so you're constantly hungry, um, and your fat is toxic. So as you burn fat, you feel sick. So you know it's a terrible situation to be in. But um, you know it's 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 a it's a it's a tough thing to be able to point, like you said, to point to role models and stuff. And but he, I'm I'm glad um, people like Paul Saladin are doing what they're doing. And you know the cat is out of the bag on a lot of these things. And um, but you need you need to put. Things in front of people. You need convenience of being able to do this stuff. But the the tough thing, though, too, is you know you talked about eighty twenty earlier, and I mentioned earlier how what I would communicate to patients changed overnight. I think eighty twenty is avoiding seed oils ninety nine percent. You can't. I don't think it's safe to go out there and do a carnivore diet. But I eat French fries from Wendy's on the weekends. <laughs> which is what a lot of people are going to end up doing. They're going to end up buying a little bunch of meat. They're going to end up raising their LDL and then oxidizing the, the hell out of it with eating a bunch of poofa, eating a bunch of polyunsaturated fat because they're not avoiding it. 99%. You know, do I think that, Oh, I ate a cookie that had soybean oil in it last week. I, I didn't, but you know, let's say a friend or something. Okay. Oh no. What am I going to do? You know, that's not going to kill you, right? This is this is like smoking, right? You smoked a cigarette, okay? You know, it, it's about the habit. But going out and eating French fries is like, oh, I I smoked a pack last week. <laughs> you know, I, roughly speaking, that's what that is. If you just eat some French fries from from McDonald's on the weekends, you know, that's like saying, well, I just party and smoke a pack on the weekends, right? That it's it's not good for you. It's going to build up over time, right? Um, and i don't think most people have that perspective they don't realize that um so you know i don't know if that's the 80 20 within the 80 20 but that's that's what i've done um and you know i i lost a bunch of weight without exercise and i was already a skinny fat guy right i wasn't an obese person that like oh i lost 50 pounds and oh, no i like my face thinned out my blood pressure got better um you know i'm i'm not shredded right but i'm not really this is where the gym part comes in, you know. I I think that there's a difference between obesity and non-obese, right? And then a non-obese person and like a someone that is uh, working on body composition, right? That there's there's much more art to body composition. If you want to be someone that has like a certain muscle mass and a certain body fat percent, there's an there's an art to that. Um, and I think that not eating studios is, is huge for that, and um, which Joe brought up earlier, but. Um, you know going from obese to non-obese or going or even going from skinny fat right which is kind of like a skinny version of obese right to non like losing fat out of your at your face right you have people that have like a obstructive sleep sleep apnea where they've got this inflammation in their you know upper airways and they have to use a mask at night to help them sleep um you know people you know people have rel- you know relatives they might know that need these things you know that kind of you lose that inflammation and it's huge i you know, I'm, I'm a doctor, so I have to, I'm going to use the M word. I have to wear a mask at work. And I'm, I'm like this, right? And I've got this little bat. Actually, I turned it in because I don't work there anymore. But I have a little picture that's this big of me smiling from three years ago. And some patient's like, hey, you lost weight. <laughs> Someone I'd never met before. And I was like, you really think so? And I'm wearing a mask. And, and they could tell just the inflammation in the face. And what was the difference? Seed oils, right? I still eat ice cream at least once a week and I still enjoy adult beverages. Right. But some random person I never met before told me I lost weight just from that composition of my face. And that's, that's incredible. Right. And I'm not sprinting three times a week and, you know, lifting weights four hours a week soon. I will be, (laughs) I've got a plan. Season two starts in about a month. Um, but, um, yeah, um,
3: it's yeah fascinating stuff i want to go ahead kyle um yeah i mean i've been i know about seed oils lewis has talked to me about a lot i i get that they're bad like you shouldn't eat them but in day-to-day life for like a normal person it is very difficult to avoid them so can you talk about one like how prevalent they are in in foods just generally and two some practical tips for avoiding them you know when you have to go out to eat or you're driving down the road and you're hungry like what should we be doing to avoid them in a way that makes sense so eat, cooking at home is king I, and i know not everyone does that right
2: so me, and so meal prep because not everyone you know, in their kitchen three three times a day, so meal prep, which means crock pot and slow cooking and cooking in larger quantities and getting the right Tupperware or glassware or whatever you use. Um, I, I, I joke with patients that step one for better health is buying Tupperware. You have to do that first, because if you try to make a big meal and you don't have it, you're going to go, oh, no, I accidentally made 10 pounds of this, you know, rice and ground beef mixture, and I don't know what to do with it, and it's going to go bad in a couple days, Right. And don't be afraid to throw a couple things in the freezer and then a couple days later take it out of the freezer, right, and develop those kind of plans. So developing, that's huge, right? You know, a lot of people have, like, a simple routine with what they eat for breakfast if they're breakfast boys, right, Um, and they'll eat the same thing. Most people eat the same thing over and over again, even if they don't think so, right, even if you're a a door dash person or whatever, you're pretty much eating the same, what, 10, five to 10 things most of the time. So you have to create your own mini culture, right? And luckily we have the internet where you can find a mini culture, like a bodybuilding culture or something, um, as an example. Um, but yeah, you, you have to have a certain amount of meal prep or you're going to fail. Okay. Um, and, uh, if you, you know, you, you know, seed oils are bad and you want to just avoid the worst ones, well then fried food, sauces, Right. If you're avoiding fried food and sauces and dressings, you're most of the way there. Right. If I was at a restaurant and I just was tired and knew I wanted to just avoid it ninety percent, I'd get a burger and make sure there's not some weird sauce on it. Like, oh, here's a mayo with whatever. Like, yeah, that's basically pure soybean oil, likely, you know. If you wanna get extra credit points, ask them to not butter the bun, because it's not gonna be real butter. It's gonna be something liquidy right? Chances of them having pure melted butter on the ready, you know? Um, yeah, you just get a burger, you're fine, and don't get the fries, okay? It's a hard-knock life out there for avoiding seed oils. Um, we we started our accounts last October. Um, we constantly have people asking us about different products, and we started selling these grocery store shopping guides. And I mean, just not guides like this is what you have to buy, but like this is what they have that doesn't have seed oils in it, right? Like, you know that a steak without seasoning doesn't have seed oils in it. So that's not on the list. You already know that, right? But if you wanted to find a potato chip or a a mayo or a frozen food or something that has butter or extra virgin olive oil in it, we'd have put them on the list. Well, not like maybe a month or so or six weeks later or so, I got messaged by um, a couple who work on apps for a living, and they put together a prototype of an app using one of our shopping lists. Well, we I decided to partner up with them and we have an app coming out soon to help people find products at grocery stores, right? That's where we're starting. We want to take this to the moon. And I think he's actually, um, the developer might be um, submitting it to Apple today uh, for, for the initial um, approval. So it's called CD, Seedy, S-E-E-D-Y. Kyle, we didn't plan this ahead of time for folks where you asked me about this and I plugged something we're doing. Um, but it's simple because we did this because this is what we're doing. (laughs) People are like, Hey, where can I find this stuff? And, um, part, part of it will be, you'll be able to, it'll be real simple. Like, okay, I'm at Kroger or Wegmans or Whole Foods or, you know, whatever. I think we're all in different parts of the country right now. Um, and you know, what here has butter, what here has coconut oil, um, And, you know, so it'll be like the product and what fat is in it. Because this is a new category of folks that want to avoid seed oils. And we want to know what fat is in our food because labeling laws will not tell you necessarily how much polyunsaturated fat is in it. So if you avoid seed oils, you know that it has low polyunsaturated fat. Because we know we get good results with a low polyunsaturated fat diet. Like the being less prone to sunburn and a lot of other things, right, that we've talked about.
3: Yeah, I think... Sorry, uh, the app. I think that's really great, and I, I'm excited for that app. And I actually Lewis had told me a little bit about it, so I I, I set you up for it. But um, oh, you did, yeah. Thanks. Okay, cool. <laughs> I then. Set you up for Appreciate the home it. run yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, trying to think, I lost it. I, there's something I want to say to you about seed oils, but uh, I'll, I'll come back to it if you want to just continue. Well, we, what,
2: what's what's interesting about this as a. Um, as a movement, as a preference, is you can compare it to gluten-free, right? And the great successes that gluten-free had. But I think that the reason why it had such great successes is that companies very, oh, sure, we can we can help you, and it's good marketing. And then they put something cheaper, mm. right? And just some filler in there. Oh, you get corn now instead of wheat. Oh, well, there is a market out there. There are, there are products out there with coconut oil. There's product out there with butter. You know, that this is a real thing. Yeah,
1: paleo's been a thing. There are places that...
2: Yeah, there's places that use tallow in their fryers randomly here and there. B-dubs. Barbecue places. And stuff. Yeah, B-dubs, which actually we're going to tonight. We're meeting up with another couple. I'm excited. Um, you know, it's not the healthiest chicken, right? Well, we can talk about the, the chicken thing. Um, but... Um, oh, wait, now I just lost my train of thought. Um, you know, we know it's not the healthiest, but... Uh, the gluten-free movement comparison? Yes. Yeah, so... so the industry's not going to be happy
1: about this preference in general, right? They're going to change their fields in the farm but, eventually. But it's there. Mm-hmm.
2: It's there, and it will be something which I'm sure we'll get a nod to and more more people. But you're not going to see, oh, I'm so happy about saying this is c 2 free quickly, right? Yeah. You know, some products you will, but it's not going to be on the cover stage. of
1: every We're in the blend stage where it's That's like... A- we're in the stage where yeah. it's, you know, Hellman's, best foods, mayo, with olive oil. But the width just means it's, yeah. it's all about the grammar. Yeah, exactly. With just means they added olive oil to it, but it still has soybean oil. Yeah. So and they're in like the half you phase where they're just like thinking they can trick you because people see it on the label. Oh, my son said this thing about the Hellman's and olive, avocado oil, so I'm going to get that one. Then on the back, it's got to read the ingredient label. Yeah. They're tricky. Yes.
2: Yeah, so CD is sick. The app, right, working on it, is six people. My wife and I. Um, We got Tucker Goodrich involved. I got a a friend who's an app developer from high school, you know, because I don't know anything about this. Um, And, you know, the two folks that that contacted us. We're not paying anybody. We have received zero money. Um, And all we did was, you know, be generous with divvying up, you know, the ownership of it because we're just starting from nowhere, right? Um, And it's so exciting to be able to, so we were talking... Here's, here's the point I wanted to make. We were talking about, like, what's the life cycle of this app, you know? Like, oh, is this going to be, like, gluten-free where a few, a few years from now everything's going to be labeled? No one's going to need an app like this? No. Because the companies are going to be going out kicking and screaming. <laughs> you know, they're trying to they're trying to trick you already, right? And it's not going to go away quickly. So, um, you know, there's definitely going to be a, a very important life cycle. And, you know, we, we're making this because this is what we want. The people that made the prototype that we've, you know, invited on to partnership with this, they wanted this. (laughs) They wanted to be able to go to their grocery store and have an app. And they thought it was funny. And they made a, you know, they made a, um, a way you can like make a grocery list before you even go. And that way you can click it off. And, you know, there's different ways of looking at it. And we're looking for, once we get it in the store and people can start using it going from there. Right. And seeing what we build, you know, I would, I want to be able to build something into it you know where people can submit stuff, so it can just it can grow organically from there as well. Um, but there's there's so much we want to do with it, and but you, you have to you have to go from zero to one, and then and then you know um, to the moon from there. Yeah,
1: I have iteration. One quick question for uh, the both of you, and then give Kyle one last chance. But we are running into time. <laughs> uh, what is one hidden? source of seed oils people should be wary of that we haven't yet mentioned and then one favorite easy seed oil free meal or seed oil free destination so one thing you got to cross off your list but one thing you can add to your list because you just took something off you just took something
0: off coffee creamer that is the hidden seed oil place du jour uh i I combed through my uh my downstairs fridge when i got back from college every single coffee creamer some sort of uh seed oil in there and you wouldn't expect it you wouldn't expect for your coffee mate or your international delight to have it uh but it does so take a look at those make sure that your coffee creamer doesn't have anything in it um or sub it in for milk if you want to get uh esoteric RWBB with it but uh,
1: i'd say at the bare minimum check your coffee creamer hmm hell yeah okay nice uh and then what's one addition joe what's something you can add like a a, your favorite either republic or just a meal This is extremely,
0: extremely easy for me, uh, a steak, a steak seasoned with salt. And I mean, if you're, that's the way I think, you know, if you're trying to avoid seed oils, 90% of the time, right. And you're, you're tired, you're you're, you know, you're, you're going out to dinner, you're, you're going out on a first date with the parents. You don't want to look like a weirdo in front of the waiter. Excuse me. Does this sauce have seed oil, right? Um, what you could do is order a steak order a steak, make the, the question you could ask that won't seem uh, extremely, extremely odd is how the steak is cooked. Is it cooked? Uh, you know, is it cooked over fire, right? So, you know, it's not cooked in any sort of, uh, it, or, or is it cooked over fire on a grill? Um, so, you know, it's not cooked in any sort of, you know, crap lard that they, they throw in there. Um, that's that, that's what you could do. In addition to a hamburger, a steak, uh, when you're out is, you know, Although it's, it, it seems like, ah oh, I got to eat this with a fork and knife. I know as Americans, we absolutely hate that. But uh, as an alternative, as a relative, relatively seed oil-free option when you're out and about, that's, that's what I would add.
1: Thank you, Joe. There we go. All
2: right. Excellent. Um, so a hidden source of seed oils, not literally seed oils, but a hidden source of excess omega-6, of polyunsaturated fat is non beef, right? Non red meat, non ruminant. Chicken, pork. Um, we do not recommend people cook with lard, um, and we don't recommend the people chicken max, right? I we actually don't buy bacon. I, I'm looking forward to the day when I can find a, a source that's probably Butcher Box lower in right. Butcher Box. What's up, Butcher Box? There's- oh, yeah, there's yeah. So it's it's tough because. And I'm not a, I'm not a specialist for this. I want to learn more to help communicate it to people, right? Um, so it's on my it's on my to do list to be able to communicate this better. Um, but cows have multiple stomachs and back, back microbes in their stomachs that help them turn grass into saturated fat and other things, right? Chickens, pigs, human beings—we have one stomach. And the fat on our bodies is not directly proportional, but it's proportional to um, the fat that we eat, the profile that we eat. So, if you eat a lot of PUFA, you eat a lot of omega-6, you can have more of it on your body. So, conventionally fed pigs, um, like I talked about earlier, full circle with the cottonseed oil in the late 1800s and Crisco and such, you know, and chickens are one of the major sources of omega-6 in our diets, right? Um, and so... That's why the seed oil disrespect message lends or complements so well with the red meat message. Um, because for human health and <laughs> health of soil, right? In terms of what, you know, ruminants can do for regenerative agriculture and the health of soil and rotating crops and rotating grazing and all sorts of stuff. Um, but yeah, I would say be, it's the opposite of what you've been hearing. Oh, lean, lean chicken's good, right? And don't eat beef. Well, if you're going to eat, Chicken, you should eat it lean, and add good fat to it. Um, and same with pork, right? Uh, if you're gonna eat bacon, do the paper towel method: cook it, dry it off, eat it, enjoy it. But that leftover fat, unless you know that it's low pufa, and we need better standards so that people know where to get this stuff, right? And but I want I want to have an aside because I've I've talked about this, and I've got a lot of tension on on Twitter about this. I don't want to just crap all over farmers, right? Um, if you are, if you have better practice, because we know that the grocery store bacon, the run-of-the-mill bacon is like real high. I mean, they've they misrepresented what's been in it before. You're talking like seed oil level, right? Um, but if you can get something that's no corn, no soy, um, you, that that's better, right? Uh, I wouldn't make it as your staple every day, eating bacon every day, Um but um, that's, that's the sneakiest thing. The chicken and the and the pork is the sneakiest thing that people are really um, overdoing for sure. Um, so our staple here, we buy steaks, cheaper cuts of steak. I'm going to start working next month. I'll be buying less cheap cuts of steak soon. Um, I'll probably be ribeye maxing soon. Um, we buy a lot of ground beef. Oh, look, grass-fed ground beef's on sale. Let's buy some extras. Let's freeze some more. Um, and... That's a staple for us for, for a lot of things. You know, we're, we're definitely red meat maxing. Um, perfect opportunity. Tonight, I'm going to Buffalo Wild Wings because we're meeting up friends, friends that are not as weird of foodies as we are. And, you know, it's, you know, I, I know that I think it's a, the honey barbecue and the Asian zing, reportedly, at least when you buy the bottles for home, don't have soybean oil in them, right? I'm not going to be completely overdosing on PUFA. Um, they use beef tallow in their fryers. I've confirmed at the location that we're going to a lot of, it's not brand wall-to-wall like, like I used to think it was. So you have to make sure they do. And, um, yes, the chicken is probably higher poof of chicken, right? But we're going to be, we're going to Buffalo Wild Wings with friends. (laughs) That's what we're doing, right? Um, I'm not going to be, uh, you know, eating French fries cooked in engine lubricant. Um, and it's just, that's the balance. That's the 80-20, Right. Um, and uh, we're actually going to bring some new Primal and Primal Kitchen sauces with us, a couple bottles, um, so that we can enjoy buffalo sauce as well. And I, I forget what the other one she's bringing, but yeah, we'll we'll do that. We don't feel weird doing it. Um, we're happy to do it. And so yeah, um, red meat, Max, and be careful about chicken and pork. And uh, you know, I, I talk about buffalo wild wings a lot because it helps introduce people to this concept, this complex concept. Of seed oils and chicken and beef and pork and all these things in a in a visible way because they can see in their head the buffalo wild wings that's down the street from where they live right that they've been at before with their family members that's fun to talk about right and th- that's why I love that example so much is that it, you can you can tell almost the whole story just by bringing up buffalo wild wings because I've gotten gotten shit before for oh you're you're promoting crappy blah 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 it's like I'm my message is, is effective.
1: Okay. Um, so you scale because... from zero to 50 K followers and, you know, six months on accident. I'm not say you haven't put in work, but yeah. you know, it started, started yeah, for mean, fun just... and got there pretty quick.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like, like as a joke, right. Um, and you know, and I, I got some bangers, but most of my mids are mean or <laughs> most of my memes are mid, right. Cause I'm winging them. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, but, but it's, you know, it's going to continue to be funny because it's it's it. Seedles it, it fe- feel like a fake meme, right? It feels like it's not real because it, it is overwhelming. It's in everything. Oh, you're telling me this? Is what's bad for me? And then when you realize that I'm not joking and when I'm being 99 percent serious, there's like little exaggerations here and there. When I first started, the memes were like, you know, quit seedles and you won't sunburn. Yeah, but then when I went 10, 20, 30, 40 thousand followers, I was like, okay. <laughs> It's like, the sun wins eventually, right? But I haven't used sunblock this year, right? Um, And my wife hasn't need to use sunblock this year. And, you know, (laughs) um, and we're we're getting tan, right? Uh, So, um, you know, there's slight tempering with things. Like, yeah, if you... You know lay out for 10 hours a day you know all week like maybe but i have people message me saying look i've been outside i work outside i don't need sunblock right so yeah mileage may vary but yeah there's been a little tempering with some stuff but i'm you know i'm a propagandist the good kind because i'm not lying about any of this stuff right it just seems i think nick carter put it the best in a in an interview where he said like you have to you have to deliver it in the payload of a joke but it's real yeah Mm.
1: Well, the two of you are both at the forefront of revolutions, in my opinion. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure, last time and this time, to chat. Where can people follow you to keep up with the good words on the, the propaganda, the good the good kinds, and uh, what can they expect if they follow you? Joe first.
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the, the biggest one, obviously, is Twitter, Seed Oil Disrespector. Um, it's Seed Oil, D-S-R-S-P-C-T-R, but you can just search this There's no, no final E. My- yeah. Yeah. Um, and my, uh, my wife is the real oil respecter, um, and, or healthy oil respecter. Um, we have seedolerebellion.com, um, that we, uh, that has basic information there, but real soon will be CD, which now is Seedy, S-E-E-D-Y, app.com. Um, and we should have that in the Apple store in the U.S. soon. That's where we're starting. Take it to the moon. It's exciting. It's what we want. Um, and, um... It's going to be really cool and see where that goes. And, and there'll, there'll be basic information on there. So if you're sitting around with your parents or friends and family and stuff, you could, hey, you know, put put, put the app on your phone and, you know, this will tell you what the good and bad oils are. And this is going to help you out with stuff. So there's, there's going to be some basic info on there, too, for everybody.
1: Do we still have Joe?
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'll okay, pop in. Cool. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter uh, at first name, last name, at Joe Consorti. Yeah. Um, more importantly, follow the, uh, the Bitcoin layer. That is where I, uh, publish all my research all my analysis and we do occasional education there too. Uh, but yeah, no propaganda on both fronts. I do a whole lot of health posting as well. Um, you know, Dr. Curley was talking about, uh, bringing, bringing, uh, bottles, uh, of sauce to Buffalo Wild Wings. And, and one thing I want to leave the, the viewers, the listeners of this with is, uh, don't be afraid to bring your own food wherever you go, right? Let's 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 remove the stigma of that being an odd thing to do. When I was in school, uh, that was you know if you brought your lunch, you were the weird kid. You were the weird kid that wasn't buying um, you know buying lunch directly from the school. Uh, but ultimately, the you know the the benefits. Um, far outweigh the drawbacks of whatever public perception you care about. Um, so, so let's remove that stigma, bring sauces into restaurants, you know, put a steak in a Ziploc bag or more, more, you know, hopefully actually a Tupperware because the Ziploc bag will melt and then it'll be eating plastic, which is not good. Um, but yeah, bring, uh, bring food with you wherever you go. Um, follow Dr. Curley is doing uh, amazing stuff and subscribe to the Lewis and Kyle show YouTube channel.
1: Now we don't even have to record an outro. <laughs> thank you guys thank you that is going to conclude this conversation with the panel of joseph consorti mr joe consorti and dr seed oil Disrespector, the one and only A couple of takeaways from me first one was just about the science science bro science whatever you want to call it of persuasion because i think they're right right seed oils are bad I think we know that. I think they make that argument pretty clear. It's like, we weren't eating these things at all, ever, and now we are, and look at how much human health has gotten worse. I mean, there's like, it's pretty cut and dry. And the problem is, how do you convince people who don't have the mental models of ancestral health, who don't have the mental models of like distrust of institutions, who don't like distrust Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios, guys? They got sunflower oil and canola oil. It's literally poison. Don't eat them. Sorry. But also, by the way, I'm not a doctor. I just, I don't know. Anyway, it's terrible. And how do you convince people it's terrible? I think images... I think the before and after photos, I think the outrageous benefits of like sunburning capture people's curiosities. I think the disgusting images of canola oil being created, I think the outrageous scale of the amount of years of corn you'd be consuming with the same amount of oil, those things are all effective. And uh, I think that's good. Second is the kind of the analogy of smoking, because I think that, you know, I always tell my parents that like, you know, do you want me to start smoking cigarettes in the house? Cause that's how I feel when you eat seed oils in the house. And I, you know, it's this whole debate we have. And they kind of see it as harmless. It's like, you know, I just have a little bit here and there. I had fries on the weekend once, but I think people again, don't understand the scale of like what amount of seed oils is how destructive or versus like one cigarette versus a pack of cigarettes versus a case. I don't know what a case is. Maybe 12 packs, maybe 144 cigarettes. I don't know how many cigarettes will come to pack, but the point being people are like, Oh, I just have a little canola here. I use it for this one special sauce. I make, I go to this restaurant, it's in the dressings, but people don't realize it's like everywhere, like everywhere. And in, in what in quantities, so saying the analogy of like, oh, I just get fries once every weekend is like, yeah, I don't smoke. I just have 24 cigarettes every weekend. That's, that's smoking people that's smoking. Uh, so understanding the scale and it's tough. Cause like, I don't know the dosages here. I don't know the actual stuff of, I just know that like the cause and effect, removing them health better, removing them life better, but people take them to be too harmless. And I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not about that. And then the third one is third takeaway is the virality without effort. When you really strike a chord, I think that's really awesome you know, the, some businesses, you kind of have to push them to the finish line. You have to kind of have to push people to understand you. You have to push to like educate. Whereas with the CDO thing, it's just like right place, right time, right community, the Bitcoin community, they've already pierced the veil. They really have this skepticism, this connection to the ancestral health movement. And when you just launch it in a community that gets it and you present the ideas and memes in a way that gets it, he just went, I mean, he had a thousand followers his first day. That's insane. Uh, that's Dr. Disrespector. And it's pretty cool. So it's not to say like, don't try something or give up on something that doesn't have reality with effort, without effort, but it's just pay attention to these things where it's like, there's a natural need, you're clearly satisfying some demand, it's taking off without you trying at all, you no intention of like creating this brand and creating this app. That's kind of why he chuckles, because it kind of seems not real to him. Just like cedos aren't real food. Anyway. I thought that was worth paying attention to and thinking about. That's all I have to say for this conversation with Mr. Disrespector, Dr. Disrespector, and Mr. Joseph Consorti. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you want to support the show, make sure to leave a rating or a view on Apple iTunes, subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts, wherever you happen to be listening to us right now, and support our sponsors. That's a good way to support the show as well. They're called Espresso Displays, portable second screens. Let's you take the power of having double the screen real estate everywhere you go. Pretty awesome. Helps you be more productive And I recommend it highly. That is all I have to say for this conversation. I'll see you in a week with the next one. And that's more likely if you're subscribed, that'll see you with the next one because you'll know about it immediately. That's the benefit of subscribing. Anyway, I'm rambling. Have a good one. See you then. Bye-bye.